episode 33 of the next day takeaways here on keyboard kimura i'm your host e spencer kite your friendly neighborhood spencer man it is sunday june 11th the queen is dead long live the queen amanda nunez has retired we are here to look back on ufc 289 as we started last week we're going to continue that sort of format here so we'll run through saturday's fight card then we'll get into some of these talking points the evening wrapped with amanda nunez winning a unanimous decision win over irene aldana 50 44 50 44 50 43 to successfully defend and retain her bantamweight title she's that she then said that's it folks i'm calling it a career put her two belts down in the center of the octagon with her gloves, a beautiful cap photo captured by Jeff Batari. And the lioness retired. We will certainly talk about her a little later on. Co-main event of the evening, Charles Oliveira, former lightweight champion, defeated Benil Dariush in what was ostensibly a number one contender fight. First round TKO finish at 4-10. Welterweight action, Mike Malott defeated Adam Fugit in the second round, 106 into the second round. Submission by a guillotine choke after landing a beautiful left right hand left hook combination that put Fugit on the canvas. Danny Gay defeated Nate Landwehr by unanimous decision, 29-28 twice and 30-27 once in the main card opener. Mark andre Barrio defeated Eric Anders by unanimous decision, 30-27s across the board. Prelims wrapped in the middleweight division with a no contest between Nasruddin Imavov and Chris Curtis due to a accidental clash of heads. A nasty gash opened up over the right eye of Chris Curtis, deemed unable to continue. Fight was stopped at three minutes and four seconds of the second round. An unfortunate way to wrap the prelims. Jasmine Jazdavizius gets a unanimous decision win over Miranda Maverick, 29-28 across the board. Eamon Zahabi earns a first-round knockout win over Ricky Ling, one minute and four seconds into the opening stanza. Kyle Nelson defeats Blake Builder by unanimous decision, 30-27 twice and 29-28. Steve Ersig debuts with a unanimous decision win over David Dvorak, 29-28 twice and 30-27 once. And in the opener... Deanna Belbitza defeats Maria Oliveira, 30-27 twice, 29-28 once, 11 fights, a electric night inside Rogers Arena. Very happy to have been there. Very happy to have witnessed everything that I witnessed on Saturday night. And we have to start with the final fight in the remarkable career of Amanda Nunes. I had a feeling coming into this week that it was maybe going to be the end for Amanda Nunes. I spoke to her on Monday and she kind of chuckled when I asked her if she was going to keep going, if this was, you know, going to wait until her second child with her, with her wife, Nina, was born before she bowed out. I know how much it meant to her to get a picture, a family picture in the octagon with their first daughter, Reagan, and expected that she would wait to get a picture in the octagon 
with their second child when she is born later this year. Anticipating sort of December maybe being the last one for the lioness. As it turns out, she, I don't want to say lied to my face, but but lied to all of us. Told all of us a little bit of a fib. Kept it to herself, as she said correctly at her media availability on Saturday night once things were done. She didn't want to talk about it because it would then become the focus of the entire week and the focus of everything away from this particular matchup with Irene Aldana. She's 100% correct. I wrote that in my retirement piece for Amanda Nunes that will be up on UFC.com in the coming days. I know if she had said, yeah, this is this is going to be the last one. When we spoke on Monday, I'd have, I'd have spent 25 minutes or 45 minutes or as long as she would have allowed me to just talk to her about her career. Amanda Nunes is the person I have talked to the most over the last seven years. We have spoken before just about every one of these fights, including the Valentina Shevchenko fight that didn't happen. Along the way, she has been gracious with her time. She has been forthright with her answers and her assessments of things. She has been appreciative of my work, of my focus, of my desire to chronicle her story and tell little pieces of it as I've tried to. And when we got to meet in person, really for the first time since we started doing this on Tuesday, it felt special and it felt special sitting next to the octagon, watching her say goodbye last night. It felt special seeing her up there on on the stage at her media availability, beaming, just just beaming that the young girl who left Brazil to chase a dream accomplished everything and was getting to walk away on her own terms and was getting to walk away at the top of the sport, at the apex, which is something that very seldom happens in this sport. And, and I would say that this, this is even different than some of those champions like George St. Pierre who went out on top, but it was, it was close. This is to me more akin to Khabib saying, I promised my mother that I would not fight anymore now that my father has passed and, and leaving after defeating Justin Gaethje. This is the best fighter in this division, the best female fighter of all time, walking away, maybe not at the peak of her powers, but still very much capable of beating anyone they put in the octagon against her going forward. Juliana Pena has made statements since Nunez announced her retirement. She obviously was supposed to be here in a trilogy fight with the Lioness, suffered a, a broken rib, had to withdraw. She wants the smoke. And I understand why. I get why. This this whole way through for Juliana Pena, I have understood her motivations. I have appreciated the hustle that she has shown in trying to 
talk up these fights, in trying to sell these fights and convince everyone that she is she is Amanda Nunez's reckoning. But we saw the second fight and it was one-sided and I didn't need to see it again. And I think there's a little piece of Amanda that, and she said so at her media day, at her media availability, excuse me, that if this was Juliana Pena, she probably wouldn't have retired. She wanted to go out having beaten someone that she previously hadn't faced because it would seem more special. It would, it would further prove that dominance. And she did that on Saturday. Irene Aldana's path to victory here, as I talked about with Sean Madden and Elliot Marshall for the coach conversation piece that ran ahead of this fight, was very similar to Pena. She needed to come out and stick a jab in Amanda Nunez's face right away, hit her with something sharp and heavy that said, I am here, I am not afraid, I am going to be in your face every second of this. And she failed to do so. She came out showing a great deal of deference, a great deal of respect for Amanda Nunez, who was happy to oblige, was happy to welcome that style of fight and just pick a Rene Aldana apart from range to dump her to the canvas whenever she wanted to, to put her on her back and keep her on the ground for stretches whenever she felt like it, and to basically just beat the holy hell out of the challenger. A lot of people in watching the fight and in going through the 25 minutes framed this and looked at this as an overmatched challenger getting dominated. And and to a certain extent, it was. But some pushed back when I said on Twitter on Saturday night that I will never tire of watching greatness. And it's interesting to me how we pick and choose when we want to celebrate special talents. We want to celebrate greatness and the best in the world at their craft only in select times, only in those dire times when the competition is toughest, when the burden is heaviest. And when it's not, we automatically turn it into the other person wasn't capable. The other person wasn't ready. We take away from that great athlete that is in that cage, that is on that court, that is on that field, and say it's not about them. It's about the lesser being across from them. And yes, Irina Aldana was a little bit starstruck, was a little bit gun shy on Saturday night. Not even a little bit. That's that's qualifying it too much. She was starstruck and gun shy on Saturday night. She walked into the big moment. She had said all the right things in the buildup to it. And when they stepped into the cage, it all came crashing down on her. And that weight was too much. But it was also that the greatest female fighter of all time, one of the best fighters in UFC history, full stop, was standing in front of her, ready to go, locked in, dialed in, ready to eschew all doubts about her focus, her motivation, her skills, her capabilities. And she put it all on display. And we want to sit here. So many people want to sit here outside of that cage 
and make it about what Aldana was not. And for me, a huge part of it is what Nunez is and now was. And that is a phenomenal talent. Phenomenal talent. 16 and 2 in the UFC. 11 and 1 in championship fights, avenging that one loss. The only two division UFC champion to successfully defend both titles simultaneously. The person, the, the only fighter in UFC history to defeat everyone that held both the bantamweight and featherweight titles. And some of these accolades are going to be things that critics, things that those that seek out opportunities to dismiss things will pick away at. They will tell you that the featherweight division wasn't a real division and wins over Felicia Felicia Spencer and Megan Anderson don't matter. They don't count. They weren't good fighters. But we have seen myriad champions, including Amanda Nunes, walk into the octagon and slip on that banana skin. And against those two fighters, she didn't. She went out, she dominated, she made history. You can't take that from her now. You can't erase that. You can't minimize that. And I don't understand why in this sport so many people want to all the time. They want to find ways to pull away from brilliance, to pull away from dominance and greatness and find reasons to dismiss and diminish rather than lift up. I am, I count myself fortunate this morning and I say this genuinely. I will not forget this week and Saturday night because being able to witness the last fight in the brilliant career of Amanda Nunes and be there in person, get to share some moments with her over this week, including last night at the very end of my night, is something that I don't take for granted. I got to watch the greatest female fighter of all time say goodbye. And I got to say goodbye. Those things mean something to me. And they should mean something to everyone that counts themselves as a fan of this sport. We are not going to see another Amanda Nunes anytime soon. Fighters like her do not come around every day, every year, every generation. She is special. She was special. And to sit on a Saturday night or a Sunday morning and want to minimize that and want to pull away from her because the challenger wasn't as good as you wanted her to be, wasn't as deserving as you felt she was, is bullshit to me. It's bullshit. We've seen other fighters in similar situations get opportunities and celebrate them. 
the majority of this industry went bonkers when Conor McGregor faced Nathan Diaz and Diaz was thrust into massive opportunities. We saw people celebrate when Jorge Masvidal was given an opportunity against Kamaru Usman on short notice. We've seen this time and again and celebrated it. But when it's Nunez and it's Aldana, it gets criticized and it just doesn't sit well with me. And I'm going to speak about it a little bit more tomorrow on the Keyboard Kimura podcast. I want to make sure I I sit down and put my thoughts together and, and keep some of this emotion out of it. Because I don't want to be emotional about this. And I don't want to talk about that right now. I want to say goodbye to one of the greatest fighters I've ever gotten the pleasure of watching, of speaking to, of chronicling their careers. Thank you, Amanda Nunes. Obrigado por todos. I wish you all the best going forward, my friend. It was absolutely amazing to meet you this week, to spend time with you this week, to watch you perform on Saturday night, and to see the joy coursing through your body as you celebrated in the octagon with family and friends and danced with Reagan and said goodbye one last time. Thank you. Okay, reset here a little bit. Sip of water, shake it out a little bit. Charles Oliveira put on a hell of a performance on Saturday night. And all week, he was repeating his familiar refrain of the champion has a name. And it's Charles Oliveira. And the performance he had on Saturday night was special. It was a, it was a performance that reminded you of how dangerous this man is. First person in UFC history to 20 stoppages. Finally broke out of the slump of fighting here in Canada and getting a victory. And he spoke at his media media availability. And I spoke to him in that media room following the fight about the emotion he displayed and the response he received here in Canada. And he was overwhelmed. It meant a great deal to him. It was amazing to see. Charles Oliveira looked fantastic on Saturday. But I don't think it necessarily changes anything against Islam Mahashev. And I'm not saying that to take away from Oliveira's moment. I, I absolutely want to see that fight again. I think it is what we will see in October in Abu Dhabi. But we just saw it last October. And it was one-way traffic. And until Oliveira goes out and shows that the guy that faced Mahashev was not the full version of Charles Oliveira, the champion has a name, and it is Islam Mahashev. Now, Charles said exactly that when asked about it on Saturday. He said, he has the belt. He's the champ. I want the belt. That's the guy I have to face. I am here for it. It should be the next fight. I don't see how the winner of the BMF title fight between Dustin Poirier and Justin Gaethje could could make a quick turnaround from August to fight in October. I don't think there is anyone else 
in that upper tier right now that makes any sense for Mahashev. I, I know I've seen some people say Alexander Volkanovsky, if he defeats Jair Rodriguez next month at International Fight Week, come back up, face Mahashev for a second time this year, try again to claim the lightweight title. But I think Oliveira has, has done enough and I want to see it. But I'm not going to get caught up in just Saturday's result. It was a brilliant performance. It was a terrific performance that highlighted, as my colleague Ian O'Neill said to me in the media room, it showed how dangerous Charles is when he gets you hurt. In terms of finishes, as I said, first to 20 in the UFC. And it was on full display on Saturday. But now he's got another test in front of him. And until he beats that man, you have to, have to give all the respect in the world to Islam Mahashev as the champion of this division right now. But boy, I can't wait to see them do it again. Next fight is, is Mike Malott getting his 10th stoppage victory as, as forecasted all week into the second round for the first time in his career in terms of getting a finish. He's been to the second round before he's been the distance before, but in terms of finishes, the first second round finish of his career, I'm not going to drill down too much on the fight itself because it went largely as I expected with Mike Malott showing that he is a level above Adam Fugit. But I will say that Mike Malott is one of these, I don't want to call him older because he's only 31, but one of these athletes that has come around a little later in age than your standard prospect, than your standard emerging talent. And I think it's given him the ability to be a bit of a, a sneak up on people kind of guy. I think opponents, I think people within the media, I think people within the community that watch these fights Look at him going into Saturday, see a guy that is 9-1-1 one, and one, and say he can't be that good. If he was, he would have been here sooner. He'd have more fights. He'd have more victories. And I understand the logic, but I want to tell you that it's incorrect. Mike Malott doesn't have 20 fights because he didn't want to have 20 fights. He took four years off in the prime years of his career to focus on grappling and to focus on coaching. And it made him a better fighter. He and I talked about it at his media day availability. I specifically asked him about those four years and he said exactly what I just said. It made him better being at team alpha male, being around those guys every single day for four or five years made him better. Drilling down and focusing in on his grappling made him better. And we're seeing that right now. Ian and I talked on Friday and again early Saturday about everything lined up for Mike Malott this, this past week. He was the breakout star, right? Dominated media day, great media day appearance, great appearance at the press conference, tons of support. Everything was lining up. All he needed to do was the hard part, go out there and get the victory. And he did. And it should lead to another step up in competition. It should lead to a continued and increased push for the Ontario native. And it's deserved. This isn't, let's just find one Canadian and go. 
He's done the work. He's, he's put in the work and he's delivered thus far. And he deserves the opportunity to keep pushing this. I don't have a name in mind. I started spitballing a couple last night with some of the PR members. But I don't have anyone that, that really settles in for me right now. As he said at his availability following the event, he's going to corner Andre Feely, his very close friend, in London this summer and look to September, October, November as a return date. What I do know is that when the UFC comes back to Canada next year, Mike Malott will be there. He is at the vanguard of this push that we will talk about here in a second. And it's really great to see. He's earned it. He's done it all. If you haven't been paying attention, if you've just been looking at the names across from him and dismissing them, stop it. He's a very talented fighter. He is a very skilled fighter. He is a wildly entertaining fighter. He has all the pieces to be a superstar in this sport. And it's really cool to see. Malat's victory wrapped up an amazing evening for Canadian fighters in Vancouver. All five athletes born in this country earned victories. Diana Belbitza, who was born in Romania and currently lives in Stony Creek, Ontario, picked up a victory as well. Canadian representatives went 6-0 on Saturday night in Vancouver. The last time six athletes from this country got victories inside the octagon was in Ottawa, Ontario, Several years ago, the night that Stephen, the night that was capped by Stephen Wonderboy Thompson defeating Rory McDonald, when we were on the field at, I was going to call it Frank Clair Stadium, but I don't believe that's what it's called anymore in Ottawa. When we were on the field at the Ottawa Red Blacks Stadium for the media tent, where fighters were walking across the field into the dressing rooms. It's been a long time. This was a banner night for Canadian competitors, and not just Mike Malott. Marc-Andre Barrio earned a solid unanimous decision win in the main card opener against Eric Anders in a fight that he had asked for for a number of years, a fight he had been chasing for a number of years. He is a steady, solid presence in the middle of the middleweight division, and I will always be excited and always be interested in seeing Power Bar get in the cage. Jasmine Jazdavisius looked terrific in her fight with Miranda Maverick. She spent a good portion of the first round defending an armbar attempt and then was just unrelenting over the next two frames. Pace, pressure, ferocity, intensity, terrific defensive wrestling and scrambling ability. She just out-hustled Miranda Maverick at every turn in the second and third. And said, I understand that you're maybe the better athlete on paper. Maybe the stronger athlete on paper. Maybe the person that's supposed to win this. But I want it more. And that want came through in her performance. Harry and I have been talking over the last couple of weeks as we sort of message back and forth and jump on streams. About what some of these new metas are going to be in this sport. And we've agreed that conditioning and pressure and that relentlessness, that ability to just constantly dig deep and put it on your opponent and be in their face 
is something that we're seeing as a differentiation point between athletes. And I think it was really on display in this fight between Jasmine Jazz Davisius and Miranda Maverick. Maverick is a, a phenomenal fighter. She's an excellent fighter. 25 years old. All the, all the measurables. Ticks all the boxes. But Jazz Davisius simply overwhelmed her. And just, just wanted it more. That's the only way I can describe it. And I know that sounds kind of reductive. And kind of like I'm minimizing this. But seeing it live. Seeing the way Jazz let loose whenever she had the opportunity to just land combinations and consecutive shots on Maverick. You could see the difference in want, the difference in drive, the difference in push. It's a thing that makes her really interesting and really potentially dangerous at flyweight because you can't teach that stuff. She's relatively young in her career for being somebody that is 34 years old. But she is growing in leaps and bounds between each and every one of these fights. And she's certainly somebody to keep an eye on going forward. Eamon's a hobby. I mean, I'm I'm sitting here a little bit speechless. Because my guy just went out and put it on a Ricky Lang. And Eamon's 35. And not going to make a run at the bantamweight title at this point because he's 35 and he's just not at that level, but he is Saturday night showed a little bit. I'm, I'm a little bit conflicted with it because I feel like it showed how good he could have been. If that makes sense. And that's not to take away from this performance. It was a great performance, a beautiful knockout very much deserving of the performance bonus that he took home. If he took, he somehow didn't take one home. Well, he should have taken one home. But I also feel like it's one of those efforts that imagine if he had gotten to fight regularly and faced quality competition all the way up. And instead of having a really hard time finding fights on the regional circuit, he got them. And he was able to compete more than, I think this was just his 10th fight, 11th fight maybe. And so there's a little piece of me that feels 12th fight, officially Freeman's the hobby, third straight win. It's a little piece of me that feels a little, almost a little cheated because we didn't get to see him compete on this stage. And there were a lot of people when Zahabi got signed that said, oh, well, just because of his brother. He doesn't deserve to be here. This guy does. That guy does. Eamon Zahabi reminded everyone on Saturday night why he deserves to be here. Kyle Nelson got a very good win over Blake Builder. This was a size matters kind of fight. This was a physicality matters kind of fight. If you ever want to know why athletes cut weight, this fight is why athletes cut weight. Kyle Nelson had a considerable size and strength advantage on Blake Builder and used it for all 15 minutes to get a win. And Deanna Belbita beat up Maria Oliveira for 15 minutes in a display of the value of output and the value of just constantly chipping away 
in every phase. My notes and, and my takeaway in 10 things as I was watching this fight was that at every station, at every point, Belbitz is just landing. She's just getting some shots in. Whether it's little jabs at range, whether it's little kicks, whether it's knees to the midsection when they're in the clinch, whether it's landing from top position when they're on the ground. She's just always landing. Always, always, always throwing. Always, always, always chipping away. Too often we see athletes stand out there not doing enough, not throwing enough. And all it really takes sometimes is just being active. Just getting out there and landing shots and touch, 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 touch. Because that creates openings and opportunities and Belbita did well with it. It was amazing to see these Canadian athletes go 6-0 and and to see the support. And listen, I owe Vancouver a big apology for last night. I didn't know how they would do. I didn't know how they would turn out. I have been critical of this city and its fans and they showed out on mass on Saturday 17,628 a sold out Rogers arena it was loud and excited from the opening bout and they were in full throat for all the Canadians they understood what was happening in the octagon they rose and fell with the moments as they should and they deserve a round of applause and an apology for me So fight fans in and around Vancouver that turned up on Saturday night, I am sorry. You did a hell of a job. Thank you for coming out. The other thing I want to touch on, and I'm going to be very brief because it is going to be sort of more of the focus of tomorrow's podcast, is just the the way we talk about these fights going in. And I get it. I I understand people making cost-benefit judgments. People trying to decide if a pay-per-view is worth their hard-earned money. I get it. I am not begrudging anybody for opting against purchasing this pay-per-view. But what I will say and what I will expand upon tomorrow is that the same way I won't begrudge you for not being excited, for deciding not to invest, you sure as shit better not come at me for being excited. You sure as fuck better not poke me and tell me that I'm I'm wrong for enjoying watching Amanda Nunes. That I'm wrong for knowing these athletes and trying to tell people that if you know who these people are, you're, you knew you were in for a good night of fights. And it was a good night of fights. It was a fun, entertaining, thrilling main card for the most part. And so I'm going to leave you and I'm going to let you make your choices. As I say, every time I write these things and talk about these things that are based on my opinions, it's just mine and and I'm an outlier and I understand that. And I'm not saying everybody has to follow me or anybody has to follow me. But if I can afford that to you, and I do, you sure as fuck better afford it to me. We'll speak more about that tomorrow. For now. Thank you, Vancouver. Thank you to my team at the UFC Digital Arm. Thank you to everybody with the UFC this week. It was an amazing week in Vancouver. Thank you to all the athletes and coaches for giving me their time. 
and their energy. I appreciate it to everybody that I got to meet friends, fighters, families, athletes, fans. Thank you. These moments mean the world to me and being able to be there this week and experience this week meant a great deal. It has rekindled something inside of me. We're just going to be, I'm telling you now, we're just going to be dialed in and going hard from here on out. So just understand it. This has been a great week. I'm beat up. I'm tired. I'm ready for a big nap. Uh, I'm ready for a really great night's sleep. One of these nights, hopefully, I'm ready to spend some time with my wife and my dog and the rest of the afternoon off of this computer because it's been a lot of a lot of hours in front of screens over the last several days, but I wouldn't trade it for anything. This has been an amazing week. I thank you all for bearing with me as I didn't put out the usual amount of content. We will be back to your regularly scheduled programming here on Keyboard Kimura going forward. But for now, thank you. Enjoy retirement, Amanda Nunez. Know that you're all appreciated. Know that I love you. We'll talk to you again soon.